Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. It's time for another Indie Comics. <laughs> I'm not I'm not Maddie, but this is Tyler. That's okay. You are Tyler, and I am Jeff. All right, Jeff, and we have, we have a couple special guests on. Uh, first off, before we get to the talented creative spotlight guests, we have another uh, guest over here who's been on a few podcasts. Who are you? Who are you? Hi, my name is Marcella Samuel. Um, I'm the writer for Like a Nerd TV, stand-up comedian, and um, a voice on Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Network. Nice. All righty. And, uh, and then now we have our amazing comic creator, Tim. Hello. And I'm Tim Zajac. Zajac, I'm the creator okay. of Ponoir. All right. I couldn't, I didn't know how to say your last name. So I was like, I was like, Zajac, Zajac. Uh, uh, so I, I was hoping. Anyways. It's Zajac, like, like right? fortune host. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, um, so Tim, how or what is Poe Noir? Poe Noir is our comic anthology series. And what we do with the works of Edgar Allan Poe is we adapt them and we put our own film noir twist on those tales. Okay. How did you, uh, why, and why an anthology like series for this as opposed to like maybe just like a one shot or? Well, the idea was to examine as many of Poe's stories as we could possibly go through. And uh, granted, it is a slower process because we're limited by time and money. But yeah, right. um, the, the project is ongoing. And as we continue to put these out, we will continue to. Uh, vi- revisit more and more of uh, Poe's material. Oh, wow. All right, let me go ahead and let's uh, backtrack a little bit so we can get some idea behind you. Uh, how did you get into comics specifically? I have been into comics since I was uh, three years old. Uh, I Love have it. memories of going to the grocery store with my mother, and back back then they, they still sold comics at the grocery store. and On the spinning <laughs> rack and everything? Yep, exactly. Oh, and yeah. I think that was one of the ways that my parents were able to get me to start reading. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. That's that's great. Wait, so oh, yeah. um, do you remember what like you were reading what, at three years old? What were, what, what were you allowed to read? Well, it was it was very much tied into the TV shows that I was allowed to watch. So okay. I, I had Turtle Comics. All and right. at the time, you know, the the Mirage comics were not as uh common in the grocery store so i was reading the archie series believe it or not and i stuck with that till the very end of that run and um i also have memories of uh thundercats and he-man comics they were through the the star imprint that marvel was running in the 80s oh yes did you write any uh fan fiction for that (laughs) oh no 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 Well, I mean, out of all of those, I mean, th- those are pretty, I mean, a lot of them are still around and they're, they're still big. Yep. Or also, you know, nostalgia is also a big thing. If you were to write any of those, which one would you want to write? I would like to get into the Turtles, I think, just oh. because I feel like I've known them the longest. And there's something about yeah. the dynamic between the four brothers that I am really moved by as, as a grown up. And I like I like exploring that relationship between uh friends and family if that makes sense that's dope i'm a, I'm a big ninja turtle fan so it's, it's, it's amazing for you to say that my, my question is what would you say is your favorite comic book series my favorite comic book series uh it, w- it has to be the x-men 
Okay. All right. So, I mean, um, with your writing style and the kind of your stories that you've been telling, would you think that they would kind of, you know, maybe be a little bit more inspired by Teenage Mutant TMNT, or would they be uh, the X Men then? I think I would say both because one of the things that really moves me by the X Men is also their family dynamic. Okay. I mean, yeah. regard, they have a, a, a you know ever uh, revolving door of a roster, but regardless of who is uh, taking on the mantle at any given point, like they all have to figure out how to get along yeah. and also you know put in their efforts to uh, fulfill Xavier's dream. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, this is wonderful getting to hear uh, what are some of your favorites and everything. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take it up the next step now. Now we've heard some of your favorite books and some of your favorite stories and what's inspired you. But what I want to know is who are your literary and or artistic influences? Ooh, literary artistic influences. Um, I'll start with literature. Um, I'm a big Frank Herbert guy. Oh yes, uh, Dune. Wonderful. Uh, my high school English thesis was on uh, Frank Herbert and Dune. It's probably my favorite book. Um. I am also, uh, I come from a music background, too. Okay. Um, I grew up playing saxophone and baritone, and I, yeah. I performed with all these different ensembles. And um, music is something that really motivates me, and it actually, that's the stuff that I have going on in the background while I'm writing. I have a whole Ponoir playlist, pretty much, that yeah. uh -huh. I have when I'm working on my Ponoir stuff. Um, so like between like the more like popular or I hesitate to say popular, but I, I, in high school, I was a, a big, uh, punk and ska kid. And, um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Let me yeah, get uh, real big fish. Yeah. Real big fish. The yeah, mighty, yeah. mighty boss tones and Ooh. less than Jake. That's the, the Holy Trinity there. Yep. Um, and, um, also because I grew up going through music in the schools, like I really have a, a strong, um, background in classical and jazz music. So, um, you know, my, my favorite composers are the Russians and the, the, the Czechs. I love, uh, Dvorak. I love mm. Stravinsky and Prokofiev ah. and, um, you know, being a saxophonist, jazz is everything. And like going, going back to my Ponoir playlist, um, there's a, a whole album from this guy named Oliver Nelson and like his, that this one album that has a sound piece for jazz orchestra on it, that is that has been the soundtrack to Ponoir. So, um, so like I'm a, a pretty uh, complex hodgepodge of all these different uh, mediums. <laughs> I, I also have a, a background in, in TV and film, and like everything kind of comes together because I all see it as uh, storytelling, yeah. communication, human expression, and it's just uh, a matter of which uh, vector that you choose to uh, create that expression, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does, it does. Um, given the type of style of this a comic, is there a specific audience that you write for, or is like a theme that runs through all your work? Um, Honor's audience really is, uh, it's pretty broad, because if you grow up in this country, you you can't go through school without running into at least some of his works. You know, everybody knows The Raven, yeah. everybody oh, yeah. knows Heart. So uh, at least with this property, I think the audience is pretty broad. Um, I hope it reaches comic book fans and, you know, kind of exposes them to Poe. And yeah. I've learned at various uh, comic conventions and all these shops we've been to, like it brings it, it kind of brings comic fans to Poe and it brings Poe fans to comics. Yeah. 
Yeah. We like to ask all these questions about kind of your past and your upbringing, especially like, you know, your reading list and everything from, from before, because we've always noticed that it always shapes the kind of writer and what kind of creator that the person becomes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, looking back at, at, at Poe Noir, um, and now, you know, we're kind of reflecting on it. You know, your background, what you get, what you got started with, what you what you cherish, what you love and, you know, who you're inspired by when you were doing uh, Poe and writing it and doing all your research and stuff like that. What what was kind of like the challenges and something that you wanted to do differently and make this like your next, you know, essentially your your next chapter? Mm, OK, um, one of the cool things about Poe. And actually, I may have had this conversation with some of you guys at uh, either Free Comic Book Day or at, at one of the shows we, we yeah. connected at. But um, the cool thing about Poe is that he does not spell out every detail in yeah. his stories. You know, he, he definitely leaves room for interpretation. He, he gives you gaps to fill in. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to use the Cask of Amontillado and uh, my adaptation, the Cask in the Crescent City, as an example – like in the original Poe source material, you don't necessarily get a clear idea of what Montresor's vengeance is. You don't know why he has this beef with Fortunato. Yeah. You just know that there is a beef and that he is going to do what needs to be done to take out Fortunato. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, something that really struck me as I was like reading it growing up is I, I, I was really trying to figure out what would go through this guy's mind that he would wall this guy up in his mind in his wine cellar and one of the things that i wanted to do when i tackled that for ponoir is i I didn't want to necessarily spell it out verbatim why but i wanted to kind of do a little bit more hinting at why monty in the ponoir story would want to go to these lengths to exact his revenge on Fortunato. Yeah. I mean, I I like that, especially like, you know, you, I mean, you obviously did a lot of research for this and, um, and and that's, and I don't know, I, I, I think going into somebody, especially somebody as mysterious, like you said, like they just don't write everything out for you. A lot of it's just open interpretation. Um, I mean, do you, would you kind of want to like, not like, you know, have that part of your writing style from now on, like, you know, kind of diving into it and being so intrigued by it? Because obviously it's, that's like the most intriguing to me, at least like type of writing is where you, it's just like, you know what, I'm telling my story and, and I can leave it up open to, for my audience to, did that kind of rub off on you, you think? Yeah, I, I think it's exactly that. I, I really value works in which the audience or the reader or the listener, uh, the participant is engaged and um, given a little bit of breathing room to bring whatever they have from an imaginative standpoint, you know, to the experience of of reading the book. And I think, you know, with with the projects that I tackle, I really like I like uh, moving in that direction because I, I, I think it. it really enables the reader or the, the, the viewer to be more engaged and hopefully yeah. more moved and invested, you know? Absolutely. I think that's where you're going to uh, 
really get a lot of comic book readers. Um, a person that's reading a novel or whatnot, they're not going to, they want you to tell them exactly yeah. where you're going, how you're yeah. going. A comic book reader is going to, they want you to kind of paint out a picture and then you, we fill in the gaps. So. I don't know. I mean, there, there are some, so I, I, the counterpoint, I mean, the thing like with Watchmen, there's some, there are some certain key moments where it is kind of like, I mean, you see it. It's, it is like literally there, like, you know, almost in black and white. But the thing is that like, you still just don't have any idea what, as yeah, to what's going on. You don't understand the intentions and whatnot. That's true. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find that I don't know. I, I, I really like that. I'm really excited yeah. for Poe Noir because I think I think Edgar Allan Poe is so awesome. And just the fact, like you know, and when we were talking to you guys, yeah, Free Comic Book Day. I mean, it's just just hearing it. I'm just like, yes, I cannot wait to read this. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, like because of the style of Poe Noir, it's like black and white and this noir. Um, what type of styles do you like as far as art when it comes down to comics? Um. Right now, I've been reading a lot of Rick Remender. Okay. Yeah. And see, I'm you know I'm the I'm a writer, I'm a creator, so yeah. uh, you know I'm I I, I don't feel <laughs> that confident in articulating um, my views on art so much. But, but that's I, I want, what we want to hear, about, though. <laughs> that's what we want to know because you are well, a writer, brother. <laughs> there, there's a there's a, a series from Rick Remender called Low, and um, I'm trying to think. I think Mate, is it Matteo Scalera? Matteo is the, is yep, the artist. Yep. Matteo Scalera. Yeah, and there's just something about that. It is it's both gritty and dirty and clean at the same time. <laughs> I think it really, it, it really helps communicate the the. Uh, the timbre that's a, that's more of a music term but the, yeah. the sheen there, there's yeah. a visual there's a visual one the right. sheen of that world you Absolutely. know um i like atmosphere and that is something that i definitely look for when i am um uh engaging in artists you know for 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 projects and that's something that i i pay attention to when i'm a reader too mm-hmm. i mean so yeah sorry go ahead no, I was going to say, like, you know, being this, you know, having this being a creative owned work and independent work um, and what you're saying is like, you know, kind of making this as your own and, uh, you know, being a writer and finding somebody who, you know, will essentially make a visual voice for you. Um, you know, what were some of the hardest parts about making this comic book, you know, since it was I mean, it, it, this is self-published and, and everything like how did you I, I guess I mean, did you do any crowdfunding for this? How did this book essentially go from a an idea to physically being there at a table at a convention. So far we are, uh, self funded, self published. Um, you know, <laughs> hopefully down the road, uh, that situation improves, but for now I am, I am risking my financial health on this. <laughs> um, and it is something in you love, of, which is great. Yeah, that's how you change yeah, the dream. And I, I'm, you know, I'm lucky that I'm in a situation where I can kind of, you know, scrimp and save every month and have a little bit on the side so I can do this. That, that that's also a function of why this is uh, takes as much as much time as it does because if money were no option, then I would just be throwing it at at Graham, our artist, and we would be moving much quicker than we are now. Um, in terms of the genesis of this project, it really it goes back to my my days studying um, theater and cinema studies at uh, Illinois State, and I took this course uh, that was solely about film noir. And mm-hmm. when you when you dig into film noir, you learn that there are 
threads, creative threads in American culture that go all the way back to Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. He invented the detective story, and that eventually evolved into the hard-boiled detective, which is so central to film noir. And I don't know why it was like lightning lightning struck my brain, but no one else seemed to uh, be interested in what Poe's material would be like if it were um, interpreted 100 years later in that film noir style. And that's something that really just stuck with me, you know, over the course of the following, you know, decade plus. And, um, you know, there's always been a, a desire on my part to, you know, bring this to other mediums as well. It, but uh, my the the expediency and the um, feasibility of comics was something that Miguel and I really uh, found to be the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And that's why we chose to execute it this way. And it really, it, it really could turn out better. I, I mean, I don't think I could have imagined it being this way, but that's also uh, a credit to Graham. We were yeah. very lucky to find Graham and he just has been so open and honest with us and just so collaborative that it, I, you know, I, I think we, as we go from book to book, we get better and better at it. But just from the get go, like he seemed to understand what we were trying to do and he knew what he had to do to really um, make this project sing. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to go on an earlier point because we looked at, you know, who you were, who you're the potential audiences here, but I also have heard a lot about like educational type of inspiration because obviously you're dealing with Poe and we're all, um, given uh, exposure to it one time or another, whether it's in our in our junior high, at least in my case, classes or high school or even beyond. But in your opinion, would Poe Noir be a, an educator's tool, particularly as a good bridging of a gap to proper Poe literature in your, in your opinion? Because uh, obviously, you know, comics in general can be a good bridge toward reading. And that kind of goes on an earlier point that you were talking about as well in your case, you know, encouraging you to get into books by reading comics. Do you see that also potentially as being something with Poe Noir? Absolutely. I think um, adaptation and the study of adaptation is, is uh, in kind of an edu educational enrichment unto itself. And I mean, we're already in a position where, you know, we've, we've met, I, I, I too many to count uh, educators that have come to our table and have taken it back to their classrooms. Um, if any hear this podcast, I would love to hear how it's gone because I I think um, it's one thing to dig into the Poe on its own, but then I think there's another uh, layer of exploration with that material when you see how other people interpret it and yeah. what from the original Poe resonates with other people. Absolutely. Absolutely fascinating. All righty. Well, uh, we are reaching the end of our, you know, this is a really, really short show and I, I could, I could talk about this for like an hour. Um, but uh, so I, we have three last uh, questions, I guess, that we always ask everybody. And so we, we've talked a lot about a high fun stuff. Not really. I don't know. P Poe's not the most oh, fun. Yeah, you can't say you that. Know, he's, not, he's not like happy-go-lucky, like, oh, boy. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be hilarious, though. Like, like, just, it was, like, all fronts. And, like, you know, people really close though. to him would be like, we, he just would not shut up about sunshine and, and rainbows and puppies. Like, and smiles. That was amazing. And smile, yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
We do always ask this one question, and it's, it's always fun. Everybody it's a fun always one, has fun. Yes. I don't think anybody's gotten upset. So we we we've had a lot of positivity. However, what is the worst review you've ever gotten on anything that you've ha- that you've cri- you have created your own yourself? Oh, oh my! Um... <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I mean, the, my mind goes to plays I've directed, and I, I don't want to get into too much detail <laughs> because <laughs> because reasons. But no, no, it's okay. Um, it's okay. I guess I guess I can expand it beyond the plays I've directed. Often, because I, I put so much of myself into my work, people tend to think that my work is about them. Uh, oh, <laughs> They're not always historically they didn't have not always been happy about that oh. and uh, you know i i didn't mean i didn't i didn't mean for any harm to be caused and i i i i i i, I will apologize again if if there was any harm caused but um that i i guess that counts as a review is is people yeah. seeing yeah, themselves does. in yeah. my work regardless <laughs> of whether or not it was intended Alrighty. No, I mean, it, it's always, yeah, it's always good to reflect on, you know, like on some of the bad stuff. I mean, I I always like it whenever I see kind of negative stuff, you know, I'd be like, okay, that's what I can work and make better. And yeah, it's, you know, and and it's good to see like other people being wrong too. Uh, so, wow, it's const- <laughs> well, it's, it's constructive, is what it is. It, sometimes, so, sometimes, and and if it's like really, really bad, you kind of just laugh. You're like, oh man, what a loser. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to to each their own, Tyler. That's true. Alrighty. <laughs> I awkwarded that one up. I hope. <laughs> no, we liked it. it was, no, no yeah, we all that it's one. A, it's a, that, that was probably uh, that was a very very different answer than that what is, we usually yeah, get. Exactly. So, I mean, we get answer we get so many different answers, which is like oh, my yeah. favorite part about that question. Exactly. Is that nobody said the same thing. No, no one's ever said the same time. thing. They all have their own different experience. Absolutely. That's been, it, been unique. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think too, because as a stand-up comedian, there's a lot of times where I'm telling a joke and it, it hits yeah. too close to home for someone that's in the audience, that's oh. a friend, and they're just like, "Oh, you're talking about me," and it gets so bad. I feel like whenever people can talk about their own failures it speaks a lot more about them yes sir and and, and about you it's like you know you you recognize that you don't want to hurt people around you and that's nice that's what i like and you want to tell your own story and be yourself and you don't want to hurt those around you i like Indeed. that i like that okay given that that um you're saying that a lot of people think that you would get your stories and your writing uh from your life experiences what do you do say if you have writer's block or something do you go back to your life or do you go to read you listen to music what do you do when you feel like you got that writer's block coming um, music is a big thing. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. I, in, in recent years, I've become a runner and, um, I, I was never athletic growing up, but, um, I'm able to just put in my earbuds and take off slowly, of course, but, um, there's something about being able to tune everything out and just focus on the physical aspect of running and then that frees up the rest of my brain to just wander. And that's something between the music and the running. That's something that has been uh, liberating. Yeah. I don't think we've gotten that answer yet. No, we haven't. It's usually, been, it's usually been some kind of intellectual activity or something. But well, that's physical. intellectual, too. What are you talking about? No, no. Running is very intellectual. <laughs> it's not even just that. Well, on, on one hand, you're focusing on your feet and your yeah. breathing. But like because you can like cordon off that part of your brain – the rest of it really goes all over the place. Yeah, it's absolutely. Crazy where like where my mind goes when I'm running, it really 
it uh, you know it's a stress relief and it's uh, it definitely a uh, a creative uh, lubricant if yes, you will. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm just starting to get into like working out and stuff. So and it's like I've been doing push-ups. Marcellus is actually here. Is the one been pushing me to do it? So I, I actually like. By the way, I, I'm very proud of you, Tyler. Why, thank you. I'm extremely proud of him. Like as far as he's moved, like very quickly. <laughs> and, you know, you do get an endorphin rush too, and yeah, that, that it does yes. do something to your your thought processes. It, it, it helps, and I've been able to like to do all this other stuff that I've been meaning that I've been putting Focus. off for for months. So. Like yeah, we'll, we'll be getting definitely bringing back some old shows and different formats and stuff like that very very soon because of it. But anyways, but um yeah, I I absolutely love your answer. Running, uh, especially music and stuff like that. Usually we just get like you know people say I take a shower or do stuff like that. Everybody's answers are always great. Again, these last two questions I think are very very important. Speak so much on the writer and how different they are. We never get the same answers, which is what's great. We have yet to have somebody just say, I just get plastered and, and, and pass out, and then I wake up right the first thing I write. <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment, but it has yet to come. <laughs> well, pretty much we'll go ahead and conclude up then with uh, this last question. I mean, not, probably not so profound as the last two because those are always the best questions in my opinion. But what should we be looking for you from, from you particularly uh, in the near future? There is definitely uh, more Pot Noir. Um, right. Oh, yes. Not- yeah, not just not just uh, going through the catalog, but um, I'm going to explore his detective character and those stories as oh. well. Another, it's another phase of Ponoir that will be coming down the pike. Um, there's also I, I don't want to give away too much, but um, you know, uh, if everything goes well and I can continue doing this, um, uh, there is a Peter Pan story that I do. <gasps> Oh, that's I, I am a bit of a J.M. Barry scholar. I grew up with Hook, and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, yeah. My, I, my mother's son. She grew up with the Disney Peter Pan, so it's very much in my DNA. It's in my bones, and there's uh, there's parts of Neverland that I want to explore with my readers. Nice. I like the way I he put like that. It. Like he wants yeah. parts of Neverland that he wants to explore. Oh, I love yeah, I like that, that in so many levels. I'm down. I'm yeah, down. I love it. I actually, you know what? I I I I have like one last question for you. What did you think about the Raven starring John Cusack. Oh, come on. I was going <laughs> to ask that. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I am ashamed to say I have not seen it. <laughs> oh, okay. okay that's that's probably a good thing. You yeah. know what? Just like the rest of the world. I'm Apparently, these... John Cusack. He's a good Chicago boy, but I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here with the only two fans in the world, so... Wow. Hey, I thought it was good. Come on. <laughs> All righty. And, and, and that is it. Um, now, before we, uh, we do our little readout that everybody just loves to listen to it at the end of every podcast, where can they find Poe Noir? Poe Noir is available on Indie Planet, and it is available on Comixology. And if you are in the greater Los Angeles area, we are on the shelves at Heidi Ho in Santa Monica and Woo. Earth 2 in Sherman Oaks. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Hey, Tim, thank you so much. I hope you had fun. Thanks for listening in. Check out our other podcasts on iTunes and all podcast apps. And check out our website, thegrankygathering.com, for articles, videos, and more. You can stay updated on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I swear I'm going to stream on Twitch soon. I swear. I snow. I keep saying it. The intro has been provided by Cranston. And you can buy Pot Noir exactly where he said. Uh, Comixology, uh, Heidi Ho Comics if you're in Santa Monica area. Earth 2. That's a really awesome store. That's a great store. And I'm so sorry. What was the other indie uh, site? Indie. 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 Indie Planet with a Y. com And Comixology. Yeah. And so come and join the gathering. Have a great week. And GGG. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.